0: Welcome to episode 78 of the Actual Astronomy Podcast. I'm Chris and joining me is Shane. We are amateur astronomers. That means we love looking up at the night sky. And this podcast is for anyone out there who enjoys going out and getting their eyes dirty, actually doing some stargazing. How has your Christmas been, Shane?
1: Good. Lots of good food. Lots of virtual FaceTime visits. Yeah, same uh, here. Yeah, a little bit of outdoor time during the day. Uh, just to get some fresh air and walk around. Cool. How about you?
0: Yeah, same same thing. I uh, did a uh, bit of a Facetime. Uh, well, not Facetime. I, I I'm a big Zoom fan, so I was using Zoom and uh, zooming with with my family. They had never used it before. It was pretty amazing. Sent them the link, and they just click on the link, and it, and it all opens up on their on their cell phones, and they're like, "Whoa!" <laughs> they were pretty amazed. Um, and then uh, my nephew had opened up his uh, his telescope. Oh yeah. Um, so that was kind of interesting I think he was so he he is a bit on the young side and I I would not have gifted somebody that young a telescope typically because he's just to the point now where he's he's I think ready to receive like sort of quote-unquote real real gifts right not necessarily just toys right and -hmm. I think there was some sort of realization that well he did he said this isn't a toy and I'm like No, it's a, it's a real telescope. You have to be careful with it, but you know, it's, it's a pretty solid and well-built, uh, like, you know, regular telescope. Like I would use, in fact, I told him I went out and took this out for three or four nights and it's a great little telescope. And so he was kind of surprised, I think, because I don't actually given him something that wasn't just a toy you know what I mean? And it mm-hmm. was slowly sinking in that maybe he was growing up just a little bit.
1: <laughs> He's now an adult.
0: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think he is excited. Uh, he definitely is excited because uh, he was around and even, even before it arrived, he was having everybody Google and, well, he talks to the uh, Google uh, assistant at, at my folks place and was asking it all kinds of astronomy-related questions because of the uh, great conjunction. But the one thing I have to go over with him, and you and I talk about this sort of stuff almost as much as astronomy, and this is what he's really into, um, and I think this is when the astronomy would make a little bit more sense for him, is he's really into weather. Okay. And, and so the astronomy is just sort of part and parcel of that. But I think when i start going i'm going to sort of get on zoom and uh and get on a computer this time and kind of go over and how to use some of the uh some of the like weather resources and how you use the weather forecasting to predict when you can go and do astronomy and then i think that will uh that will kind of start to sync things up uh for him and in, in uh in sort of all his science interests so but he's he's extremely interested in the weather and like he knows you know about the you know the great red spot and the storm on Jupiter and he knows how fast the winds are and he knows the uh he was talking about other storms on like Saturn and Venus when I was talking to him and he's pretty interested in some of that stuff so just trying to set some expectations there too so pretty pretty excited for that um was there any sort of uh, astronomically related uh gifts under your tree or under any relatives trees
1: no, no, nothing. Nothing that I gave or received. Um, my wife and I, we, we usually do a pretty minimal gift exchange for Christmas. Yeah. Um, so yeah, really nothing to report. Um, although I guess um, sort of coinciding with with the time uh, is I, I did acquire, well, I purchased a new telescope. I haven't acquired it yet. It's on route. Um, and I don't think I've told you about this one, Chris. Oh, no. Actually, this
0: is this is new news. Although, <laughs> although you getting a new telescope is not exactly new news for now. Who, no, who have tuned just, in before?
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so this one is another uh, old old telescope, an old Tasco from uh, I think the early sixties. Mm. And um, it's the the Tasco 10 TE. So I've talked a lot about the 7 TE in the past. And the 7 TE is uh, 60 millimeters uh, of aperture, uh, 1000 millimeters of focal length. Mm -hmm. The 10 TE has been on my want list for a long, long time. And that's because it's a 76.2 millimeter aperture with a 1200 millimeter focal length.
0: Big stuff.
1: Huge. Yeah. So,
0: um, I've Looking always had some intrigued. photos now online. That's a, mm-hmm. that's a beautiful telescope. It like gorgeous. looks like a telescope. Like I think, yeah. I think think of when they think of a telescope, I've looked through one of these.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it'll be gorgeous. Um, so the, the one that I, I found it in, um, somewhere in Quebec, uh, within Canada. And, oh, uh, it's, it's probably one of the most complete ones I've seen, uh, around, you know, in Canada, um, it, like it has all of the original paperwork and like, you know, little magazine or, you know, sort of instruction kit. Mm. Um, the only issue with it is the finder, the glass in the finder scope, I guess has a crack in it. And, Mm. um, I don't really care too much about that because those old finder scopes really aren't that good to begin with anyway. Like I, I would never have any intention of using the original finder. Mm -hmm. Um, so that doesn't bother me. Um, but the rest of it looks amazing. So I'm excited to get that here. Um, and that I, I I, like my intention with it, um, is to essentially replace my, uh, my little Franken scope, the 60 millimeter, uh, 910 millimeter focal length, um, TASCO. Uh, I, you know, a little bit of a, little bit of a craving for more aperture and what I'm actually like kind of excited about is comparing this super long focal length telescope, uh, to my Takahashi. Both are 76 millimeter instruments. Um, but with a big difference in, in that focal length. So I'm kind of curious about that. And, uh, I think it'll make for just a, a fun telescope and a little bit of a project for me because, you know, even new telescopes, you've mentioned it a lot, Chris, like, you know, if you buy a telescope, you have to probably be prepared to tweak it a little bit or tweak the mount a little bit to uh, improve the performance. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, the old telescopes are even more so, um, you know, like you, uh, you, you do have to work a little bit with them to adapt them to modern inch and a quarter accessories. Mm-hmm. Um, and even the tripod itself is usually needs a little bit of work as well. Yeah, cool. So anyway, that should come this week. I'm excited for that.
0: Wow, that is uh, that's really exciting. Very cool. We uh, we had some great views, and we talked about those uh, in a recent episode of the uh, conjunction there. And then, uh, yeah, your sounds better now. I think <laughs> okay, <laughs> I sent you cool. tech saying it sounds like something's happened to your sound a little bit. So uh, just trying to make sure. Since we don't do editing. <laughs> That's how we do this podcast. <laughs> People should.
1: That's right. That. No edits. <laughs> no edits.
0: Why? I mean, it's, it's funny, you know, sort of this is a bit of an aside, but I listen to a lot of podcasts on how to do podcasts. Uh, I, I just enjoy listening to podcasts anyway, and it's, you know, pick up the odd tip and trick. But the one thing, the one piece of advice that we don't really abide by at all is we do not edit these almost. There's almost no editing on these whatsoever. So you, you get basically a live podcast in your ear when you're listening to this. Um, but I was listening to one and I was like, oh, this is a really good podcast. And it's like, maybe we should be doing more editing. And, but I, I looked up and I was like, no, I, I think that it's best if we, if we just keep going the way that we're going. I wouldn't mind getting like a processor or something to, to keep the sound more steady. It'd be nice to see our levels, I think is what mm-hmm. I'm saying. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. Then then we you know if you saw like your levels dropping then you'd be like oh I got to make an adjustment here or something. But Anyway, um we had some great views the Friday before last as the conjunction was mm-hmm. was rolling up but uh were you able to to get any views on on the 21st?
1: No, I had like a real fleeting naked eye view through the clouds. Um yeah. but uh, we, we had really unfortunate weather, you know, on Monday, a large, you know, system came in, dumped a lot of snow on us, but, uh, you know, for, for all intents and purposes really washed out the, uh, the conjunction for, I'd say probably central to Southern Saskatchewan. Um, I think if you were quite a ways up North, you may have seen it, but then I guess, you know, the further North you are, the, the less time you actually have to see it. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There, there was that break. Um, and I, I think if I'd been a little, I, I, I just assumed I wasn't going to see it at all. And I just happened to get up right at the right moment and look out and I could, I could see it. And I just ran outside, but it was there was sort of a funny thing that um, usually I have a pair of binoculars sitting on the bookshelf to grab and the binoculars are gone. I'm like, what is going on? Where are my binoculars? <laughs> so I ran outside and like sort of like this puzzled look on my face and I'm looking at it, and I can see it. And, uh, and then I'm like, I could set up a telescope. I could try to find the binoculars, but I can see that cloud coming. And it was the, the edge of this huge snowstorm. And, uh, and so I just sort of stood there and looked at it for about two, maybe three minutes before it got swallowed up by the, by the cloud. Um, and then, uh, I, I put the telescope up in the hopes there was another little clear break coming, but it didn't. It didn't even close line up with the uh, with the planets there, and that cloud was. I thought maybe I get it through the cloud, but the cloud was just ridiculously thick, even at the edge uh, of the snowstorm. So I did set up the telescope, and I stood there for the full hour in which I I could have possibly seen it, but uh, but it never it never did reappear. But uh, I think I did. I think I was able to split them. Like you said, the conditions weren't weren't ideal. Were you able to split them?
1: No, like what what I saw was just like a faint glow of light through the clouds. Like there was no distinguishing them, but I I, I was going to ask you about splitting them because I I did send you a text. So I said, no, so far, no break at all for me. Were you able to split them? And then I got a reply of a race car emoji and (laughs) (laughs) and thumbs up. So I had no idea if you actually split them or or what the race car emoji had to do with the conjunction. (laughs)
0: I was, yeah, well, I was, I think I was standing outside still in the cold and, uh, I wasn't really dressed. I wasn't really dressed for it. So I was like thumbing on my watch, um, with my glove off. So, uh, anyway, yeah, I, I was, I think I was able to split them. It definitely wasn't, it definitely wasn't this big spectacular view. I mean, I think, you know, this is one of those times where I kind of, I kind of wish I had set up and then just stood there under the cloud and waited. I've just done that so much over the years that it gets kind of disappointing, it gets really disappointing. Um, mm. but I did see it and, uh, and yeah, it was, it was neat. And then, uh, on the 23rd actually, which was just a couple days later, um, mm. I got a really good view of it through, through the upstairs window using my seven by 50 binoculars. And at that time, <laughs> so I dug out my seven by fifties, usually I use seven by 35s. Um, at that time my, my wife came up and I said, here, and she said, Oh, you're using your, these different vices Yeah. I said, I must've, have... I was really worried that I had put them down outside. Cause I was trying to remember the last time I was using the seven by 35s and I thought I used them more recently, but, um, I was using them one night or one morning just before we had, um, the last big snowfall and I had put them down outside on the ground, which I never do. And I'm thinking those are going to be wrecked. Like by this Mm -hmm. point, like -hmm. some weeks later now, and it had freezing rain and everything is part of that. I'm like, yeah, those are not going to be, I'm going to be buying new binoculars. But uh, then she said, oh, oh, I put them away in a cupboard. (laughs) Like, why did you put my binoculars away? (laughs) Just cleaning up. You should clean up your stuff more, Chris, she said. It's probably some element of truth to that. Yeah. Um,
1: I I did see it. um, Oh, gee, I'm trying to think what day it was. My, my, I kind of put technology aside for a couple of days around Christmas time. So my days are all blending together, but it was interesting to see Saturn on kind of on the other side of Jupiter trailing away. Um, I thought that was kind of neat. Yeah. Yeah. And I did get a really good view the day before the conjunction on the 20th. So like, you know, after we recorded, uh, I guess this last week's episodes, Um, I had my uh, telemeter out and, um, had a, yeah, a wonderful view and my wife came out and she was really impressed as well with seeing that. Um, so I was happy with that. You know, it, it wasn't obviously as close as it was on the 21st, but I think, I think it was like a two arc minute difference. Like it wasn't a substantial amount. So,
0: yeah, we, we also did see it that night that, and that night was, it wasn't as good as that Friday night, but it was good. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, I forgot about that. Um, so I ended up using, uh, over a hundred power that night on okay. it. And, and so I had them both in the, in the same field of view at a hundred power. It, it wasn't as good, but you could definitely still clearly see the rings of Saturn and there was sort of one band on Jupiter. Um, but it was, it was definitely more washed out, uh, than it had been, uh, on the Friday. Um, so, yeah. And, uh, I think it was, I think it was really windy that night. Was that the really windy night?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. was really windy. And I, <clears throat> I kind of set up in my garage
0: and, um,
1: you know, had the telescope inside the garage and, and that was actually kind of a nice little wind shelter and was able to observe it quite comfortably.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You were, I think you're just, our, our houses are on opposite ends of the city, but they face almost identically. Um, but I couldn't quite get it from inside the garage and I would have had to move my car and stuff. And mm-hmm. so I set up around the corner and, uh, it wasn't so bad at first. It was just like kind of gusty a bit, but by the end, and I, I observed it until I just couldn't see it anymore. Um, it was blowing like 70 kilometers an hour. And then even that night, uh, which I think was, was the night before so this was the 20th, um, there was like this big cloud that sort of rapidly came in and kind of swallowed it up uh, just before it was going to disappear sort of behind the houses anyway. So yeah, it was, it was neat though. It was really neat to, to watch that and uh, should be, should be visible uh, still for, for at least another till, till this podcast comes out, but uh, you know uh, and then into, into January uh, there's, there's going to be some additional pairings we'll talk about in the objects to observe in the January, 2021 night sky.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited for that.
0: Yeah. So when, when I was looking around for the binoculars, see, yep. this is how an astronomer thinks. And, and I think you've read the show notes. So it's like, I'm like, I need new binoculars. This is not necessarily a bad, right? Like <laughs>
1: this is the excuse you've been waiting for. My, my binoculars are lost.
0: Yeah, exactly. So I, I should have jumped on it sooner, but uh, you know, one thing that's been, been on my on my to buy list and and I've got quite the to buy list. See, I have a buy list. You have uh, purchased items.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's accurate.
0: (laughs) But I really like the uh, Canon image stabilized binoculars. And Mm -hmm. I've been fortunate enough to know people with them that I observe with on a regular basis since they came out, like in the late nineties and and early two thousands. Um, when I, when I belonged to my first astronomy club and it was around that time, these, these came out, um, people were buying them in the club and I was like, this is great. Cause I didn't have any money at the time. And so I would get to use, um, at least, uh, periodically like the 15 by 45s and then the original 10 by thirties. And I thought, Oh, I got to get a pair of these 10 by thirties. And then soon after the 12 by 36, uh, version one came out. And, uh, I really wanted to get a set of those. Um, but it just never, it just, I, I just never seem to have, um, the confidence of spending that much money on on a binocular because they're, they're not inexpensive in Canada. I think the, uh, the 10 by thirties at the time, they were like almost $400. Now they're around five or $600. And then they they just
1: 670.
0: Yeah. They just Mm kind of go up and up from there and they have made improvements and and that over time, but, uh, but they certainly are, uh, are really, really nice. And, uh, and then since, uh, I moved to Ontario, nobody in Ontario had them, which was funny. Um, and I, again, really wanted a pair, but then I bought my five inch Parker mat and decided that, uh, well, I probably shouldn't buy any more astronomy gear after I bought that. So mm-hmm. I, did, I actually didn't buy anything. I didn't buy any astronomy equipment probably for four or five years after I, after I bought the five inch. Um, and then Mike eventually, when, when I moved here very soon after Mike bought the 15 by 50 image stabilized, and then club members bought the 18 by 50s and the 10 by 30s, and then somebody who's not in our media club but in a nearby club bought the 10 by 42s that I was able to observe with a couple times. And then uh, you recently more recently bought the 12 by 36s a, a few years ago. And I always wanted the twelve by thirty sixes, so I was really excited when you got them. And I think I think those ones are the they're they're the Goldilocks one, if you ask me. And I I you know what are your thoughts on them? Having you've had them what three years now?
1: Oh no, longer than that. Longer than um, that. Yeah, probably five or six.
0: Um, five or six. Years, but
1: yeah. yeah, totally agree. Totally agree that they they are the Goldilocks uh, binoculars. Um, and, you know, and and I love them because they're like they extend well past. Like astronomy purposes. I've taken them on so many trips around the world um, because they're fairly compact. They, you know, they can go into a carry on very easily. They don't add a lot of weight, Um, but under a night sky, they're fantastic. You know, you get about, I think they're about a five degree field of view. Yeah, And with that stabilization, it's just incredible. Um, you know, I, I've got a lot of binoculars. Um, I don't know, four or five, maybe six pairs of binoculars. I should really sell them all except for the Canons because those are the only yeah. ones I use with the exception of those 3D printed ones that we made. But, yeah, those you know, cool, those yeah. ones are so unique. I, I don't really put them in the same category as like the rest of the binoculars that I own.
0: Yeah. And, and I should do, I mean, sort of that in reverse. I I don't own any image stabilized binoculars. I've been fortunate enough to, to try virtually all the mode, although there's that new line of the um, 32 millimeter apertures and I've never tried, I've never tried those yet. Um, But, uh, but I hear that that they're not necessarily the best ones for, for astronomy, like the ones I already mentioned. Uh, So yeah, I was kind of thinking, what's that?
1: Sorry, the, the 12 by 32 stabilized ones?
0: Well, there's 10 by 32, 12 by 32, and 14 by 32. And uh, mm. the, the consensus seems to be that the eye relief on them, although it's stated to be 14 and a half or 15, which is the, the same as the ones you have, um, the way that they work is that you don't you only get to see about two-thirds of the field with glasses on. And and as an eyeglass on where as you are, then that's a showstopper for me, unfortunately. And they're more expensive, so... Very uh, I don't expensive. Even, I don't need much more convincing than that. They're they're
1: fifteen hundred and sixty-nine dollars for the twelve by thirty-twos. That's that's a lot of money. <laughs>
0: I yeah, I don't know if I would pay that for them. Yeah, and and new, I <clears> think, <throat> think the uh anyway, that the 12 by 36 now is is they released another version since yours, um, which by all accounts is is virtually identical. Um yeah and it's, I think it's around 900. So the, these aren't inexpensive, but you know, like you were saying, I, like I have several sets of quite rare and pristine binoculars and I should just, I should really just sell them. Like I have, um, a pair of those, they're called a ward, um, which was like, a almost like a JC penny type outlet mall type thing, I think of some sort. Anyway, we don't have, we never had them in Canada and I only know JC penny from when i you know spend time in the states um but they uh they used to carry like their own line of binoculars that that they would commission out and have built in japan um back in the 60s or 70s and uh they have a really wide field of view but uh and i got them and i have a good set that might need alignment or something um but i haven't bothered send them off to get it because they don't work with my eyeglasses at all like it just they just don't work it's like the uh the exit people like fall short of my eye even. So you get like weird blackouts and you only see it like seven degrees of the field. And I get, you know, quite a bit larger with, uh, just the set of my 35s I already own. And then I have a pair of the, um, Oh, what are they called? Tento? Is that the name of the brand? Mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. The, Tento, the, Russian made. the Russian made 20 by sixties. And they're, they were, I don't think they were ever used. I bought them from, um, there was like, uh, A church auction down in the States somewhere. And they were looking for getting like 50 bucks from them. Anyway, I bought them and they were like new in box, like from like the seventies or early eighties or something. And so, um, I bought those and again, they're amazing. They're an incredible binocular. Um, but I can't really use them with my glasses on. Mm-hmm. And then the other set that I have that I would consider selling, and I have lots, I have other sets that I just wouldn't consider selling is, but I probably should sell these is the, uh, I have the Nikon Astrolux, which is a rare binocular because it's actually a binocular that is purely designed just for doing astronomy. And, uh, and that's why it would be so, so difficult to let go. And I did, uh sort of uh get a whole system set up for for using them and they're a 10 by 70 um and if anybody's seen like most of the sort of 15 or 10 by 70 binoculars that are around these these ones are in a completely different class um weighing in at about uh, five or six pounds which is really big and heavy for a 70 millimeter binocular but they have the full uh extra large prisms so you get every photon and you can use these ones with glasses and they are amazing. And they're the best binocular I've ever, ever looked through, but, uh, but it's a lot to set them up because you need to set up um, what's called a parallelogram mount. I think we're going to talk about parallelogram mounts uh, in the future. And even on the parallelogram mount, they're, they're so heavy that even on the intermediate or or moderate size parallelogram mount, um, they're kind of funky to use. And, uh, And so I just don't use them that much. I used to, when I first bought them and you've looked through these quite a few times, Shane, because when I first bought them, I would take them out and set them up when we were uh, down in grasslands and doing our own observing. And they would just sort of be out there as sort of ancillary uh, equipment in the field. And every once in a while, I just walk over and look through them and it was amazing. So many people have looked through those and just been astounded by what, what the best, basically the best binocular for astronomy can do. And, I, I don't think there's too much argument against that, but at the same time, having to mount it on the parallelogram mount is, is so painful. And then like uh, when I, when I first bought them, of course I, my exit people left my eye open and uh, to take in all the light. Now, as I've unfortunately gotten a few years older um, I'm probably not getting the full 70 millimeter. I'm probably getting like 65 millimeters of it or something like that. But at the same time, like, well, you know, if I had a pair of image stabilized binoculars, I think I could see more. And I compared them to Mike's 15 by 50s. And I got to say, I, I think the 15 by 50s uh, outperform them. So
1: um,
0: e- even though I don't think the images as sort of flat and pristine, and even though I think that um, they sort of offered like the pinnacle of sort of the best sort of traditional binocular um like the image stabilized binoculars I can see fainter stars and you don't need a tripod and all this fancy stuff to use them so um mm-hmm. yeah it, it would probably make sense and they're they're worth a lot of money the, the way that I got them I should mention this because usually I wouldn't buy something like that is that a person had uh, an ad up and it was a strange ad this is back about 10 years ago and uh and I guess I should rephrase. I hadn't bought any astronomical equipment apart from these binoculars probably in five or six years. And uh, anyway, this, this person put this ad up. But they were looking for somebody that would use them. Uh, that was sort of part of the deal. And they kind of did some digging around. They're like, oh, yeah, you will use them. I didn't want to sell them to somebody who would just sell them or whatever. So the person gave me this great deal on them. And they came in a Pelican case. And everything. they came in a case. Basically, the person charged me for the case and shipping. That's, that's how I got them, which wasn't wow. inexpensive, but it ended up being about maybe a third of the cost of the actual binocular. Um, and I get a Pelican case, uh, and they were, you know, pristine and, and to my door. So that was, that was pretty, pretty exciting. So, uh, anyway, since I'm not using them, I have this sort of measure of guilt that, uh, <laughs> that, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. I have these, these binoculars that this person uh, sold me uh, in order that they would be used. And then I haven't been using them. And I, I feel like maybe I should just sell them because uh, these are a binocular that is, they're meant to be used. So I don't know. Maybe a listener could make me an offer and <laughs> we're going <laughs> to deal with them.
1: Right? Yeah. Yeah. Those kind of like your Pentex XO eyepiece, like, you know, incredible yeah. gear that really should be used and, you know, collecting some photons because, um, yeah it's you know it's it's great glass
0: yeah it is and I use the XO so yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah I don't have the same same measure of guilt the only the only one that I have that I, I don't use as much as I feel like I should and I didn't pay that much for it is the uh, is the 3.8 XP but anyway um, yeah and I've always wanted the I've always wanted the image stabilizers but uh, yeah I've thought about I've thought about it a few times I probably yeah, I probably should just like you said, just clear the stable of, and I actually have a pair of 22 by hundreds, but I'm not selling them because 22 <laughs> I would feel by hundred. I have. Yeah. And so they only operate like about an 80 or an 85 millimeter, but again, typically I didn't like, I, I don't like to spend that much money and I've been really fortunate in, in getting good Good deals and a lot of stuff. You do this for long enough, you can get some good deals. But I bought a pair of used ones. And I'll put a plug in from Stefan over at, uh, used to be Lila Nature. It's now Astronomy Plus over in Quebec. And, um, and he had a pair of used ones. And I don't know, I guess he just didn't really like carefully inspect them or something happened. And anyway, maybe he got them and they were sitting on the shelf for a while after he inspected them. But they end up having like a lot of mold or something inside. And, um, so he shipped them down. They were used and they weren't used by him. They were like on consignment. And so, um, he sent them down for, and it was, they're really cheap, like a hundred dollars and, and they came and they looked good. And I put them up and yeah, it was really nasty in there. Like just about mushrooms growing. Right. And I'm like, Whoa, this is not good. So I called Stefan said, look, like I know they're used and they're not yours and whatever. And he you know, was like, Oh, this, yeah, that's not good. And so he said, we'll just ship them back and we'll see what we can do. And like, I didn't hear anything back. And I'm like, well, like I'll give them like a month. And then I don't know, ask for a hundred bucks back or whatever, like no big deal. And if I don't get it back, I'm like, whatever, you know, it's hundred bucks or whatever it was. I think It was a hundred bucks in shipping or 120 in shipping. So then, so then I get, uh, I get a notice at my door, for a package and like, oh, I guess maybe they sent them back. So I'm like, all right, you know, go over and yeah, it looks like this is the 22 by 100. It's back to my door and they must have fixed them or just sent them back because they didn't want to do anything. So I open it up and they're a brand new pair from um, Antares. Oh, sorry, Glenn oh, wow. Spears over wow. at uh, Antares Instruments. And so Glenn sent me a brand new pair and I'm like, what the heck? So I wrote stuff because I'm like oh man I didn't want to spend like whatever it was to buy a new pair right I didn't want the money for this so I'm like so like I got the binoculars he's like oh great how are they I'm like they're great they're a brand new binocular yeah yeah that's good and I'm like yeah but like I don't have the money to buy them <laughs> he's like no no that's that's fine and I'm like what so yeah he and Glenn decided they just send me a brand new pair and so oh, wow. I end up so I kind of feel like I can't sell those because I just feel like I got to keep them. And they're really good because they're like these hand picked by Glenn Spears, who's a Canadian optician pair of binoculars. And, and, you know, I've gone and like, you know, kind of had a coffee with Glenn and had a chat a few times and he's a great guy, you know, and I'm just not surprised now, but I'd never met the guy before. So, so what I end up doing is, is we had, um, me. I used to do the prizes for a star party, and I was like, you know, some, like send me something, and I'll plug, in Terry's, and I'll plug, uh, I'll plug Astronomy Plus now. And anyway, so it's sort of mm-hmm. a long story, but
1: yeah, interesting.
0: Yeah. Speaking of the 15 by 50s, we had an interesting email, Shane. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. From from uh, a listener, a fellow Chris, who was observing through <laughs> his uh, his 10 inch reflector. And I got to say, I really love getting the emails because they jog things in my mind that uh, you know I hadn't hadn't thought of in a while. And he was observing an open cluster, and he just referred to it. and And this is great because he referred to it as the Tau Canis Majoris uh, cluster. It's an open cluster, otherwise known as NGC two three six two. And if you if you're thinking about Canis Major, there's like a bit of a of a right set up triangle on the very bottom, it's just above and to the left or, or north, uh, northeast of, of this, the very bottom triangle. And I'd actually been observing that with, uh, with Mike's 15 by fifties uh, a few years back, had a pretty good observation of those. Uh, and that kind of really, really, I thought tied in well, um, that, uh, you know, those 15 by fifties really, really give uh, a beautiful, beautiful image. Uh, of that cluster. So,
1: yeah. Yeah. Those 15 by fifties are, are fantastic binoculars. Um, having looked through Mike's many times, uh, you know, sometimes like, even though I have the 12 by 36 uh, stabilized ones, sometimes I want those 15 by fifties just for a little more aperture. Um, mm. they, they're wonderful. Um, I, I really enjoy using them.
0: Yeah, they are. The only, there's only, there's only sort of one downside to those. And that's that they are a little bit on the heavy and, uh, yeah. and Mike often will take out like a little tripod and that, and, and that works, that works fine. Um, and they give such an amazing view, basically the way that he uses them. And I think, I think this is kind of the way that they're best used is almost like a little spotter. Like they're like ultra portable. Cause they're just a binocular, they're like a larger binocular, but they're, they're a binocular you can hand, uh, hold. And then sometimes he'll handhold them and sometimes he'll put them on the, you know, the very lightest of small tripods. Mm-hmm. And I think that's pretty cool. Um, that's a, that's a pretty good way to, to use them. But, uh, but anyway, yeah, yeah, those, those are nice. So do you have, I, I've got a bit of a, of a, of a list, not a Christmas list, but a list of, of things that I'd like to buy at a future point in time as as Marge Simpson would say. Um do you have a list of anything you're looking to uh, to add to your astronomy stable over the next
1: bit? Mm-hmm. Well, the the Tasco will be you know a big part of my attention here for for a little while. Um, but outside of that, <clears throat> let me just qualify this by saying I don't need anything. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I probably should actually make a list of things to sell, as opposed to you know to a list of things to buy. Yeah. Um, however, there there are a couple things that um, I guess you know are, are on my radar, um, and we've talked about one of them a few episodes ago, uh, and that's a Bino viewer. Um, You know, doing oh, yeah. a, a lot of planetary observing this year. Um, you know, I've always enjoyed planetary observing. Um, I've used Bino viewers in the past and have been disappointed, but it, it kind of dawned on me this year that when I've used the Bino viewers in the past, I like I was using panoptic eyepieces and like complex wide field eyepieces. Um, so to use those to evaluate a Bino viewer when looking at the planets, I just don't think was the right thing to do, mm-hmm. um, especially after seeing how good those TMB super monocentrics performed this year. Um, mm-hmm. and just orthoscopic eyepieces in general, I would like to try another Bino viewer, but use the, um, simple glass, you know, like ortho pairs, or if I could actually pair up some of those, uh, TMB super monos, um, I, w- I would be interested in that, you know, to see uh, how much I enjoy it. And then also to do some extensive testing with the Bino viewer, uh, under a dark sky with a refractor, mm-hmm. you know, yep. the kind of the knock on vinyl viewers is, is you lose some light because you're adding more surfaces in that optical path. And yeah. every time that light bounces off of a mirror or a prism, you lose a little bit of it. Yeah. Um, so the knock on them has been, if you're using them for uh, deep sky stuff, you really need a lot of aperture there, you know, like big reflectors. Um, yeah. However, as you know, I'm, I'm kind of stubborn. I, I, I certainly read and take in what other people say. But I really like testing things out on my own and just seeing what I like and don't like. Yeah, that's part of the fun. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, that's on my radar. You know, I don't know if this will happen or not. It's really dependent, I think, on the eyepieces first. If I can pair up some eyepieces that I'm interested in using, then I'll follow with a Bino viewer. But I Mm -hmm. don't think I'll, I'll lead with the Bino viewer. Yeah. Um, so that, and then the other thing is, um, I'm kind of intrigued by those Teleview uh, delight eyepieces. Um, you know, another I hear they're thing that, delightful, Shane. They're yes, delightful. Yes, yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> they pair well with all telescopes. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah, they yeah, pair yeah. well with a binocular. Get it? Yeah, maybe. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but um, so, so the TMB super monos have a 30 degree field of view. Uh, The orthoscopics that I used are around 45 degrees and I really got used to looking through, you know, a straw essentially. Yeah. Um, Now don't get me wrong. I still like my wide field views, but um, you know, appreciating these narrower fields, the delights um, stand out a little bit more now to me like they're, I've kind of written them off in the past because they're only 60 degree field of view. Mm -hmm. Um, But what, What I really like about them is the 20 millimeters of eye relief. Um, You know, that's a big plus for, you know, guys like you and I that wear glasses. Mm -hmm. Um, They're exceptionally light and small. So they're a wonderful traveling eyepiece. Uh, They could work really well in Bino viewers if I paired them up. Um, But if you, you know, if you read just about any review online, at least any review that I've read, indicate that they're outstanding in terms of contrast and sharpness that they Mm -hmm. really uh, provide like an orthoscopic view and, uh, that some say they're the best, uh, line of eyepieces that Teleview has produced, um, which is saying a lot because yeah. they've produced a lot of good eyepieces. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. uh, that's the gear on my list. I'd like to finish reading some of the Omira books that I own. Um, yeah that's that's kind of it how about cool. yourself sir
0: well most of it is stuff that you own so the great <laughs> part about knowing shane is that <laughs> he gets all this great gear and then i get to try it out and the stuff that he he rejects you know i can get first right a refusal to buy it or uh, you know at, at, at a great discount or, or uh, <laughs> family and friends discount <laughs> or or the stuff that he decides to keep which is which is more often the case i'll say ooh. I got to get one of those, you know, but, uh, often, often don't as much, but, uh, yeah. So, if, so a few of the things like literally, I think just about everything on here you own. Um, I, I, I do really want to get one of these Borg finders like that you've uh, cobbled together, like the 50 millimeter, um, uh, have some different, different thoughts on that I would like to get that. Um, that's probably not at the top of my list. Um, maybe I should say what's on the, the top of my list and I got to get this is uh, a proper observing chair like yes, the yes. yeah I, I think that definitely is uh, at the very top of my list um it's they're a little expensive but uh just having a good observing chair uh, nothing can uh, c- you know can substitute for that and you're not mm-hmm. getting the full you're not really getting the full benefit of the equipment that you already own without an observing chair so you're really, uh, you know, you're really selling yourself short by not having one. And I know you've purchased one recently and I was using it briefly and it's just a great, uh, it's a great thing to have.
1: Totally. Yeah. I've, you know, I've used an observing chair pretty much since day one. Um, uh, Like early, early on when I had my eight inch sky watcher, it was uh, like, my back was the limiting factor, you know, crouched over all
0: night observing. And you're a and, taller person, so it's this is this is really critical for you.
1: Yeah, yeah. Because so you'll never get a the...
0: tripod tall enough.
1: <laughs> no, no. So I, I I made one of those Denver observing chairs, and you know you've seen it a hundred times. You know, mm-hmm. every time I go out observing, that thing would come with me, and uh, you know what a difference maker a chair can be. So mm-hmm. yeah, totally understand.
0: So I I do have an observing chair, and I used one an awful lot. Uh, up until about my first or second year here. And then I um, I bailed on it because it was one that a friend built me And it. And it's it's a good little chair, but you really need to be on a flat surface. And uh, so where I was observing um, where this person built it for me you know, in Ontario, we had this big um, cement pad. We didn't put it down. It was just like out in a farmer's field. I'm not going to get into all this. It's a little bit complicated, but uh, like four or five of us could set up on the cement pad. And so, it was completely flat and this chair like worked beautifully on it. And then when I came out here, I did use it for about the first year. But um, after that, I decided not to because I was pretty sure I was going to take a pretty bad tumble one night and like break my arm (laughs) or something because the, the prairies, although, you know, strangely the prairies are not as flat as you would think on sort of a more microscopic scale. And there's a lot of little holes and uneven ground and, that sort of thing it's just just not not as good for for this particular chair so I need to get one with proper like four point uh footings on it um like and even when we go up and observe like in that little conservation area like you 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 drive in and it looks like it's going to be this perfectly flat area which typically like if you were driving into a little conservation area somewhere it would be totally flat um for the most part um but you know there it's just like Oh, it's really undulating. Like, you know, you go one meter and you're going to be offset by eight or nine inches. Um, You know, so it's just, just not that flat. So you need a a proper observing chair and you found that too, like you eventually Mm -hmm. upgraded Mm -hmm. from, from the one that you had built. And and I think it's, it's time, time for that. Um, Some of the other stuff though, like I said, the Borg 50, I really still have the variable polarizing filter. Um, I got to get one of those. Uh, you recently bought this, which is the uh, one and a quarter inch tack prism. I wanted one of those for a long time. Um, I want to get some new two inch uh, nebula filters. I have all the nebula filters. It's just uh, they were some of the first things uh, that I bought, and some of them are getting to be a couple decades old now. And I know like um, they've been out in bad weather. Some of them. And the nebula filters have traveled with me all over the world, even just I use them on my binoculars sometimes. And they've been in really, really rough conditions. Um, And, uh, you know, on the ocean, I've taken them on the ocean. And uh, anyway, they've they've worn a bit. Um, And they also don't fit my filter slide in the two inch diagonal that I got last year and or this this past year and then I uh, wouldn't mind getting one of the I think it's called a Bader BBHS the silver diagonal that's mm-hmm. sort of a real wish list do you own that
1: I do yep yep
0: yeah again I, I think most of this stuff you actually already have tried and tested and approved So yeah
1: I'll, I'll rent it out to you, you know, <laughs> on, a, on a cash recovery
0: basis here. yeah yeah <laughs> um the other is I would like to get um a Burla portable tripod for the TAC 100 mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't really have a portable tripod for I do. If I use my Takahashi Altaz mount, um, but I'll say, and I meant to put this in the notes, but, um, that Skywatcher, uh, AZ GTI, man, I love that mount. The more I use it, the more I like it. I think that is, um, the perfect little mount. Again, I was out, um, one of those nights, the night it was really, really windy. And, you know, it was gusting up to 70 kilometers an hour. Maybe that's like 50 miles an hour or something. And I had had my little 60 millimeter sitting on that. And yeah, when it, when it gusts at the, at the height of the gusts, it, uh, it would wobble it a bit, but not as much as you would expect. You could still observe and then it would settle down really fast and continue to track. And I basically set it on the planets that night and it tracked which I was surprised because it was so windy. It was crazy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it just kept tracking beautifully, which was great. Because if I had it on an Aldaz, it would just have moved so much. It would have taken the planets right out of the field of view. So after that night, I was like, that mount is impressive for the price. Um, and even regardless of the price, it's, it's an impressive little mount. So I, I think I want to get a Burleback tripod uh, to put that on as well. And then some of the other things, I uh, wouldn't mind getting a battery for that, like a proper external battery. Mm-hmm. I'd like to get the 12 by 36 image stabilized binocular I mean, the list goes on. A couple of things I've had on the list for a long time are like uh, a 32 millimeter Massey, I'm at 85 degree or a 31 mm-hmm. millimeter Nagler, or 17 mm-hmm. millimeter um, Explorer Scientific, 92 degree, I always wanted one of those. Still don't have a five millimeter eyepiece. <laughs> Should get an yeah. eyepiece case. <laughs> I mean, the list goes on and on. It's always
1: endless. Yeah. 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 If only money was growing on trees.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, The Kawa six and a half by 32s. I really want a pair of those. Yeah. That that 2.5 millimeter Pentax is still on the auction site for 600, $600 Canadian. It's too Ooh. steep for me. So, yeah. Geez. Anyway, we'll we'll see. Uh, we'll see what what I get over the coming year. I think I think probably 100. I'll get the the chair, and then uh, maybe one or two other things over over the next year. Or so so we'll see how it goes. Yeah, right on. So that's kind of that's kind of all I have written up in these notes. Do you have cool. anything else to add?
1: Yeah, I would like to add just one quick. Uh, shout out. Um, so we released the uh, double star observing guide last week mm. and uh, through Twitter had some exchanges uh, with a person from BLT Astro B is as in Bob L T is in Tom. And uh, I wasn't aware of this app, but they've designed a, or released a, a double star app. I think it's mm. on, it's on iPhone for sure. And I think it's on Android as well. I should check their site. Um, it's a, It's a great little app. If you're yeah, you sent that to me.
0: Yeah, it's awesome.
1: Yeah, Yeah. Uh, it's ninety nine cents, and um, they said that you know they're not trying to make money off of it. They just want to cover their app store fees. Yeah. Uh, So they had to put that small amount on there. But I tell you, this thing is worth way more than ninety nine cents. Like you put in your equipment where you observe from, and then this uh, this app will basically build you a list of double stars to observe. Um, so I thought it was awesome. And what I love about it is it's like a very niche part of the hobby. Um, you know, if you go onto any of these app stores, there's a ton of astronomy apps, but try to find something for double stars and Mm -hmm. you you really can't unless it's kind of bundled into something else. So yeah. And
0: there's going to be a um, lot of heavy stuff around it that, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I just wanted to mention that That's cool. it, was, uh, yeah, good. it was awesome that, um, you know, the connection happened and I'm glad, yeah. I, you know, I'm a better ob- uh, observer now that I have this app, it'll help me plan a little bit better.
0: Yeah. Hmm. And let the royalties checks roll in for Shane.
1: Yeah. Right.
0: I'm <laughs> sure. Yeah. No affiliation and we're certainly not making no, no money paid. off of that. Yeah. No, we don't have paid sponsors or anything. No, I, I can totally understand. We are, our, our, our end game and all this is a cost recovery basis for ourselves too. We are not even close to that yet, but uh, that yeah, that's the yeah. dream that we continue to, to live in as well. But, uh, yeah, doing, doing these is, is not uh, free, unfortunately, but, uh, you know we're we're happy to do it for a period of time and then hopefully hopefully at some point we we'll be able to uh, to at least cover our costs that would be that would be amazing cuz i love i just love doing these i know you do as as well shane so uh, mm-hmm. happy happy to do them forever just uh, eventually eventually uh, people start asking questions about credit card bills and stuff like that so yeah <laughs> yeah yep. all right we do have something to give away still we have one more week left. I think it'll probably just be, uh, I guess maybe five days left once this podcast hits the internetosphere.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We're giving away, uh, well, Chris is graciously giving away one of his copies of the 2021 RASC observers handbook. Um, if you'd like to be entered into the draw and it's a complete random draw. Um, you can email us at actual at gmail.com. Yep. And all we're asking for is to email us, um, just, a like a, a log from one of your observations or something you would like to look at. Um, yeah. and no requirements on anything. We just like no. to read that stuff. And yep. you know, the only, uh, sort of shameless use of that information, uh, is that, um, I think we'll, we'll spend uh, an episode in the near future, just talking about these observations and yeah, you know, sharing them with everybody and, and maybe sharing some of our observations that Chris and I have had of those objects. So, uh, yeah.
0: And and yeah, and really appreciate the emails people have sent. It is, it is really, really cool. Um, you know uh, I think, you know, less than 10% of our regular listeners have written in. So you have a pretty good shot at actually, actually winning the book. Um and what's amazing is just like some of the emails have been uh, rather lengthy and the people say, Oh, like, I'm so sorry for sending. And several people have, have done this. Oh, I'm so sorry for sending such a long email. I didn't intend to what. I'm like, no, this is when you get to send a long email. This is not work. right? You're known up to be mm-hmm. right to the point. You can, you can go on about your observations as much as possible and know that you have at least two really willing and excited people who are on the other end to sit down and actually spend time uh, reading those and, and going in into uh, in, into some sort of detail, um, yeah, and, and certainly it, it brings back some recollections on observations that uh, that we've made. So yeah, I get really excited when when I see those as well. I got through uh, the first two that you sent me today. There's there's one more from from a gentleman that uh, that I think I, I still have left to read, but yeah, it's it's great. You know, um, you know, I like it when they're when they're good and long. Like a couple of people just sent like basically sections out of their digital observing logs. And that was that was great. And then some people have sent some pretty short ones, and and that's really nice too. It's sort of been a been a healthy mix.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's been wonderful. I really enjoy reading them.
0: All right. Well, thanks so much, Shane. That was a lot of fun today.
1: Yeah. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you would like to ask us questions or leave feedback, you can find us on Twitter. We are at Actual Astronomy or you can email us. We are actual at gmail.com. And if you would like to support the podcast with a donation, uh, we are selling merchandise at teespring.com slash stores slash actual astronomy. We wish you all clear and dark skies.